Hello, my name is Cody Bradburn, and you're listening to the Forge Podcast based out of CrossFit Mountain Island in Charlotte, North Carolina. In this podcast, we discuss optimization of physical and mental health through fitness, nutrition, and the pursuit of self-mastery through personal development with the foundation of traditional American values. We'll help you decipher fact from fiction and give you tools to make your life better, your relationships more fulfilling, and pursue your purpose in life. If you gain any value from our podcast, we ask you to leave an honest five-star review and share the podcast with someone who may be positively impacted from what we discussed today. Have a blessed day. Now, let's get started. Welcome back, guys. Uh, This is Cody over at CrossFit Mountain Island. Today, we're going to talk about um, what it was like for me to train for regionals. Um, I've had a few members ask about this, so I actually reached out to some of my current clients. Um, some people were, you know, Jason Rosales, Alejandro, uh, Akanksha, and Ashton asked you guys kind of like what kind of questions you would have for someone that has made it relatively far in the CrossFit world. Because um, I know like you forged examples of people that have an interest in that pursuit of competing, um, to, you know, to varying degrees. So you guys were helpful in providing some questions that others might have. Um, so I made a list of all the questions you guys had kind of uh, created some trends. And then I'm going to go over those questions today. Uh, and then for those of you that don't really know, um, in 2018, I competed at the individuals regionals, um, with the super region with the mid Atlantic and Southeast that was in Florida. And that was the last year they actually had regionals in person. And the year prior I'd competed in, um, regionals on, on a team with the uh, South Charlotte CrossFit in the Mid-Atlantic Regional uh, in 2018, I qualified individually, which was a goal, which was a goal that I'd set four years prior back in um, 2014. And uh, I ended up qualifying eighth in my region from the Open and then went on to compete in the Mid-Atlantic Regionals combined with the Southeast. Um, so it was, a, it was a really great experience and accomplishment for me to get there. Uh, anyways, so I've had people over the years ask, kind of like, you know, what was that like? How did you get there? What was the process like? people I know in person, you know, because there's plenty of athletes that are way fitter than me and have gotten way further in the sport, obviously. I mean, I got to regionals and I didn't go to the games, but, you know, getting to regionals was a lot of work. So I can at least speak to that. Um, one of the f- cool questions from Ashton that I want to kind of talk about first, um, which made me think of like, a couple of little points was uh, point A would be like, or one question would be, how, how can I compete in CrossFit and what does competing in CrossFit look like? Because there are different levels of competition and then how do you know if you want to compete so i'll try and start there um how do you know if you want to compete that is a question that you have to ask yourself with the frame of reference of are you a competitive person is it in your nature when you come to the gym do you care about your time in relation to your peers times especially other guys that are in your age range or girls that are your age range and build and fitness capacity like, do you care where your scores lie in relation to theirs when it comes to doing timed workouts or strength sessions? Uh, if you do and you have an internal drive that says, hey, push yourself so you can, you know, do better than them, well, then you might be competitive. Um, if you don't have that voice in your head, then great, awesome. You're probably not competitive, so you probably don't really care about pursuing competition, which is fine. Um, you know, there's CrossFit for health and wellness, and then there's CrossFit for, comp- for competition, and we'll get to that later. Um, but 
that kind of leads me to my next point, which is like, how can I compete in CrossFit? And if you have this idea that like competing in CrossFit is the open and regionals or sanctionals, I think that's great, but that's going to take you some time to get there. A lot of time and effort. I would recommend if you want to compete in CrossFit, starting with local competitions. That's what I did. I started going to like local little box throwdowns and events that are were in my state, um, you know, weekend workouts, meeting competitions, and just started getting experience competing with my peers who will be people you compete against in the open and regionals, you know, to a degree. Um, but it gives you an idea of kind of where you're at and those competitions are pretty unbiased. So you have an opportunity to see where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. And then that helps you understand, okay, where do I need to develop? Because whether you're competitive or not in CrossFit, we all know that we want to build up our weaknesses because, well, that's our lowest hanging fruit to improve. Um, so I would say if you want to compete in CrossFit, if you're not already, try to do local competitions at least once a quarter. Um, don't worry about your training and training for local comps. Just train like normal, you know, train like you would normally train. Be consistent above all else with what you're doing as far as a program goes. And then when they come up, you know, deload for a couple days, go throw down, see how it goes use that data, reassess, go back to training. That's what I did for years, um, which kind of leads me into my, one of my first questions, which I got from um, AK and Jason, which were, which were um, kind of centered around what programming did I follow, what programming did I do? And then Jason asked, you know, like, was I training by myself? Were you taking classes? Were you taking classes while training for regionals? And it's kind of a multifaceted answer because it varied, you know, like, my training timeline was about four years. So from 2014 to 2018, I would call that like my heavy training years where I was training, you know, at least two hours a day, most of the time. It started off with me taking classes. So if I can, in January 2014, I got into CrossFit um, at CrossFit S3, uh, started doing CrossFit there, kind of got really into it, decided I wanted to pursue competition after the open in March, and then started really like jumping headfirst into, into training and with the eventual goal of going to regionals. Um, now I knew that was a far away goal. So that's why I did some competitions that were local and kind of grew into that process. But uh, at that time I was just taking class and then I would hang out after class, you know, as much as they'd let me before I was the coach and then work on all the stuff I wasn't good at. Um, which for me was a lot of gymnastics. I was really bad at gymnastics and I was kind of strong but I didn't have any experience with like any kind of pull-ups or handstands or you know, anything like that or muscle-ups. So I had to learn that stuff. So, you know, when you're not a coach, you don't really have free access to the gym. Generally, like if you have a good affiliate owner or a cool gym owner, then they'll let you stay and do some extra credit stuff on your own. Cool. Like you can do that. But eventually I got my, I got my level one started coaching so I could have more autonomy in the gym to train when I wanted to around when I was coaching. Uh, and then I also worked at a, I worked at a restaurant with a server at a restaurant at Ruby Tuesday at that time in my life. Um, but that's kind of how I started and the programming side of things. I was just taking class and then I didn't have any idea of what programming really was. So I just worked out and worked on, worked on my weaknesses. And then I met this guy, Keith. He helped me kind of like late 2014 into 2015 with some strength programming where I would go meet up with him, you know, two, three times a week at a, at a, a powerlifting gym in Rock Hill called Brutal Iron Gym. Um, shout out Rob Polnick and uh, Keith and I would just lift weights. So Keith had been across it for a long time. He was kind of evolving into more of a strength focus and he helped me work on just basic strength work, like 
squats, deadlifts, presses, bench presses, just raw strength, raw power work. Um, and that was kind of his guinea pig. And that was very, from my perspective, I mean, it was probably structured from his, kind of his point of view, but it was still pretty random of like, we're doing a lot of strength work all the time. We're doing you know different stuff. But there was no like, hey, we're doing Windler for six weeks. We're going to go five, three, one, or go Texas Method for six weeks and then deload. Like it was nothing like that. It was just, we're going to lift weights heavy a lot. You're going to eat as much as you can and do CrossFit and we're going to see what happens. And that's really what it was. Um, so that was like late 2014 into like, late 2015 and then during that transition of like 2015 2016 i'm sorry 2014 2015 i went from s3 and went across to weddington with Corey wharf and again his gym i just i took classes i followed his programming he was a really high level programmer and coach so he would there were like five of us there that were training under him that he was kind of our coach so myself tyler watkins scott Cottrell, both both those are animals like scott's literally one crossfit open workouts in the world a couple years ago he's a he's a freak of nature uh, he's still competing to this day uh, tyler's an animal he's you know he was like top 80 in the world in the region like the continent i think this year at the open um qualifiers finals so he's just he's a freak of nature um and it was the, th- the three of us and mate hudson and a couple other guys you know dj jake we all work out together we come in he would have like I remember his gym was partitioned off in like two sections. It was like um, when you first come in, there was like a very small linear room that opened up into a bigger space and he had his classes in the big space. And then this small room, he just had a bunch of rent, like a squat rack, some basic equipment. And then he had a chalkboard and every day we'd come in, he'd have something written up for us. That was just like extra credit programming on top of classes. And we would do that every day. So we come in, whatever Corey said to do, we would do it. No questions asked, nothing. We would do what he said. And then if we were doing shit wrong, he'd come over and help us and, you know, give us shit for it and try to fix our technique and our form and, you know, challenge us to do harder stuff. Um, and I don't know, I'm not sure what his approach was. He was a programming wizard and he still is. So I just trust him, you know, yes, sir, whatever you say, do what he said. And that was really like my programming for him from 2015 through like March, April, 2016. At that time, I was training to go to regionals with his team. He, he built out, I think they had qualified the year prior in 2014. So they were trying to make a second run in 2015. And then some of the athletes kind of moved on to new chapters of their lives. So like they started having kids, they stopped training as much. So then we didn't have a chance to qualify because we had less athletes in the pool to compete, um, which is fine. My goal as individual team was like a, a closer goal because I wasn't good enough yet to go individual. And team was kind of like my entry point. But Corey was always a great coach, and he always helped me as much as he could. Um, and he, in retrospect, he was one of my first mentors in the CrossFit space and really just in life. But he would always just create our workouts. I would do class, and I would do the comp programming he would write for us. Um, and and looking back, like that was some of the best time of training for me. It was because I was working out with these guys every day, and we built this kind of relationship together, and this bond that was just – can't really recreate that it's just the way it happened it was amazing you know we would we'd come in every day and train saturdays the whole comp team of like 10 to 50 people would get together at like 7 a.m and train together and do workouts and it was just you know, quarters there was really awesome um really really loved that looking back but i'm not sure what his programming methodology was besides just crossfit but that's what we did and that was from 2015 through about march april 2016 so at this point, we kind of covered, you know, January 2014 through April 2016. So about two years with some change. Um, 
at that point, I kind of moved on to an opportunity to compete with a, a, a little bigger gym in Charlotte. Not bigger, but like younger population gym that was pursuing regionals and had a lot of young, high-performing athletes that were like cusp regionals in 2016. Um, so I moved over there in April 2016, went to South Charlotte CrossFit. At that point, I kind of took on a, a coaching role in April, May, kind of a head manager, GM role. Um, I took some classes, but at that point, I, I got on to um, Misfit programming, so I followed Misfit. And that was probably the longest stint of programming I followed during that time of my life where I was doing Misfit from like April 2016 all the way through to like, I don't know, I would say August 2017. So like well over a year and three months, I just followed Misfit programming every day. I did everything they programmed. It was five or six parts. Um, And then I layered on top of Misfit a strength program from a guy, that the guy that owned Brutal Iron Gym, Rob Polnick. Um, I did some tests with him to kind of work on some roadblocks I had in my strength. He gave me a strength cycle. I still have to this day. I still, you know, use it sometimes. And it was a, just a simple program. I just repeated that. I, I layered that on top of Misfit. Did that for a long time. And I would say a lot of, after I got like, like Corey and S3 in classes, they kind of like really shaped me up around the edges to where like, by that point I was qual- I was like top 300 in the region in the open, which is not nothing. Um, once I got past that top 300, it, to get to the next level was like top 20, top 30. So from there, it was just a high level of volume, specific weakness work that I needed, needed to develop as far as muscle endurance in certain areas and just capacity. And um, following Misfit, I was able to, and what I learned from Corey, I was able to kind of like fine tune my programming to where I, I was checking as many boxes as I could and did it for long enough consistently that I ended up qualifying for regionals and kind of making it that far. Um, so 2016, 2017, halfway through there, I was doing Misfit. And then that's the time that we qualified for for team regionals um, at South Shoulder CrossFit. We used Misfit's team programming to get us ready for regionals. Went to regionals, competed as a team. Six of us came back. Kind of the team dispersed. You know, people went back to their gyms. One girl got a promotion, moved across the country. One guy moved down to Charleston. Um, and it kind of organically just not fell apart, but just, you know, moved, we, they all moved on. And at that point, it was me and a couple guys left in South Charlotte. And, you know, I got an opportunity to buy my gym that I own now. So then, you know, late 2017, I bought Mountain Island, came here, still followed Misfit into, I don't know, late 2017 sometime, at which point I reached out to a friend of mine uh, that I'd competed with and I'd known for a while named Jared Shaw, and I asked him to be my coach and write programming for me in preparation for the Open coming up in February um, so that I could have the best possible chance of qualifying as an individual. Because the year prior, I think I missed it by like 10 spots. I was like 30th in the region. So I knew I needed to kind of break that bubble. So I worked with Jared for about six months uh, every day, and he programmed for me. And then we got to the Open 2018. I qualified individually um, and competed in the the regionals in um, June. Uh, And he programmed for me leading the regionals. So like, I would say there's not a special program you need to follow. I think that you can get pretty fit with group classes, 
an extra credit work that you need to work on your weaknesses. And if you break like into the top thousand, maybe the top 500, at that point, okay, you probably need to do more programming. That's more high volume specific skill work, like competitive training. But it's not, I mean, to a certain degree, it's like there's just a base level of volume and fitness you need to establish in all the different aspects of CrossFit that until you build that base and you develop some prerequisite levels of fitness and all the aspects of CrossFit, like doing extra credit or like special programming, like you can, but it's not necessary from my experience. Um, so that was my experience of programming. Um, 2014 through 2016, it was most like classes and some extra credit on my own and then some special programming from Corey, which was around, centered around his classes. 2016 through 2017 was misfit programming every day, you know, five, six days a week. Um, and then 2000, like late 2017 into 2018 was individualized programming once I got into like the top 100 in the region or top 50 in the region to break through the bubble of going to regionals. Um, the, real, the real benefit to what I think my training was, was my training partners and people I trained with. So when I was training, it was always with my peers, whether in class or my group of friends I trained with that was, we were all trying to be competitive. And the training environment where I was like competing with these guys every day was what made me better, I think, above all else. The programming was helpful and it was good to have intelligent programming, but it wasn't the end all be all. It was more the people I was with and pushing with them. Um, and then along with that was the consistency in the nutrition front. So really for almost, for, I mean, from 2015, 2016 through 2018, so three years, I just used my fitness pal. Uh, tracked all my food, didn't really have a lot of deviation from that. I mean, I might've had one or two cheat meals a week. I didn't go to parties. I didn't go out to bars with my friends and drink. I didn't drink a lot of alcohol. I um, did not, you know, go out and go to restaurants and get whatever I wanted to. It was like, I would go to restaurants and I would specifically, I remember asking this woman, this poor woman to make me, I ordered like a chicken, a grilled chicken vegetable plate. And I asked her not to use vegetable oil with my food. I asked her to cook it, you know, without oil. <laughs> that woman thought I was such an asshole. But like, I say that because like, to get to regionals, you have to be fucking obsessed with everything about training and fitness and CrossFit. Like it consumes your life. Like, and the nutrition is so important because like, I could not have gotten as far as I got if I didn't really obsess myself with nutrition being almost as perfect as possible with my calories and my macros and like making decisions in my lifestyle that would facilitate me hitting those nutrition goals every day. Um, so if I have 21 to 28 meals in a week, 19 of those 21 or 26 of those 28 were probably like perfect meals, all quality food, no, no cheap meals, no sugar, no alcohol um, every week for three years. That's what is like, you have to understand it's like, it was years of that. It's not just like I track my food sometimes and I, you know, I only go on the weekends. Like that's not going to get you there. It's just not going to, which is okay. Just understand that the nutrition part of it is like, there's not a magic nutrition plan. It was a lot of carbohydrates. It was a lot of protein and it was controlled fat. So I didn't over consume calories and have too much body fat. 
which aligns with what CrossFit says, you know, eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruits, little starches, no sugar, keep quantities to intakes, keep quantities to levels or keep intake to levels that support exercise and not excess body fat. So because I was training so much, my calories were high, like, you know, three to 4,000 calories, you know, 200 grams of protein, 350 grams of carbs a day, but it was all whole foods, rice, potatoes, starches, um, fruits, vegetables, not many vegetables, mostly fruits and carbs because vegetables don't really give you many carbohydrates. And then a lot of protein, um, plus dextrose, you know, I played around with nutrient timing from what I learned from Renaissance periodization. Uh, I used creatine, but that's really, it. I used whey protein, creatine and casein protein. That, that was about it. Um, but that was the, the nutrition part. And then the um, programming, uh, as far as daily routines go, um, that was a question from like Alejandro, AKA uh, Jason asked that as well. Um, the daily routine was, I mean, I was coaching. I was a coach at a gym all the time. And I had some, you know, some, some clients training at their house. So my schedule was really, I coached a few classes and some PT. And then the rest of the day, I was just, you know, trying to run this gym for these people that owned it and they lived in Nashville. And um, I was just training. So m most days I'd wake up around 8, 9 a.m., um, you know, let my dog have breakfast, you know, get ready for the day, go start training around 1030, do a strength session, maybe some conditioning if I had time, coach a class at noon. So 12 to 1, coach a class. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was a fun time. Remember that noon class? Good people. Um, but coach that class. Uh, and then afterwards, I would get into my real training for the day, which was like Misfits Protocol, which whatever they had programmed for the day, I would just do what they had written. And it would usually take me about two hours. So from like one fifteen to one thirty to about 3.30, 4, I would train, um, you know, recover, cool down, mobilize, stretch, do what I need to do as far as like preparation for the day and other work, other work things that were remote, uh, eat a lot, you know, hang out with some of my training partners and then coach classes evenings, 4.30, 5.30, 6.30, lock up, go home, get home around eight, have dinner, relax, do whatever I need to do, repeat. And that was the cycle for years to varying degrees. But the thing about that training was the center axis of my day was the, was my training. All of my scheduling decisions outside of that, that weren't training had to fit around the training. So like that was a priority. It wasn't like I work out sometimes, you know, um, it was the focus and the fixation. And that was the case for all four years to varying degrees and with varying schedules over the course you know, of the day based on where I was at and what my job was. Um, but I trained six days a week. Sundays were rest days. Thursdays were active recovery days. On active recovery days, I was still in the gym, but I was doing, you know, bike for 30 minutes plus a rom wad i take the bike out in the sun you know hit intervals of like you know 10 seconds on 20 seconds off in the assault bike you know get some vitamin d stretch work on some like low impact skill work like maybe you know handstand push-ups for low volume you know control eccentric tempo work you know bodybuilding bullshit like curl just fun stuff to move um, nothing that was going to be really detrimental to my recovery uh, and then friday full day of training Saturday, three hour session after I coached at nine. Um, so from like 10 to one train, go home, eat, hang out with my dogs, watch TV, do whatever, hang out with friends, maybe, maybe go to Whitewater Center and go out and hit, hit the trails. But it wasn't Saturday night, go out to the bars or Friday night, go to the bar. Like that wasn't ever happening. I just didn't do that. Sunday was recovery day, ROM watch, stretch, you know, 
cold showers or cold baths, hot showers. Um, it was a, an, it was enough of a focus that it took intention to recover. And I mean, every night I was doing a ROMWAD for years. Um, so like, those are some of the decisions and sacrifices that you have to make or I had to make to get to regionals. I'm sure there's plenty of athletes that didn't have to work that hard to get there. And there's plenty that worked harder than me to get there. But that was my personal experience getting to regionals. Now, when it comes to sacrifices and like, would I do it again? I'm appreciative of what I gained from that time of my life. And sometimes I look back in retrospect on it and like with fondness, because I'd like, I'd love to be doing that again because of almost how simple it was. Like it was simple because I just woke up, I took care of my dogs. I trained as hard as I could and I got really fit and that was the priority and I was the best damn coach I could be like you eat and breathe CrossFit right but the sacrifice you have to make like you say no to your friends when they invite you out to go partying or you, if you go to hang out with your friends like you're drinking seltzer waters or water and eating you know vegetable snack trays versus like whatever you want and having drinks with them like and most of my friends were from the gym, so they understood my commitment level. So it wasn't weird. But if your friends don't get it or you're like not bought in enough that they're like, oh, yeah, no, they're serious about this. And this is a big goal for them. Like, I understand why they're actually doing this. Then it can get kind of weird. Um, but that's part of the sacrifice. Like, you have to accept that you're just going to say no to things like that if you're going to be training for something to that level of competition. Um, other sacrifices would be like just – which it's not a sacrifice in the moment, but it's just a matter of like saying no to like shitty food and like tracking your food every day, like just making those things a priority. And it, it might look like a sacrifice sacrifice on the outside looking in, but really it's just like, it's just what you do. Like if you want to get to that point, it's just what you're doing. Um, it's not a sacrifice when you're doing it, but some sacrifices would be like, it's mostly relationship stuff in time. So like you're saying no to things with friends or family or maybe your girlfriend or your putting your training before going on a weekend getaway to the mountains because like I have to train this weekend. Like you can't miss that. So like those are some of the sacrifices that it takes. And the question, it just comes back to a value proposition that Ashton asked about was, which was like, how do you even know if you want to compete? Like if none of, if all those things are like, un, if any of those things sound unreasonable, like I'd say it's going to be hard to get to regionals because that's what it takes to get there. Um, to really be like, because what you're talking about, if you're going to regionals, is you're talking about being in the top, what is it? Let's do the math. I think when I, when I qualified, it was like out of 8,500 guys. So 20 divided by 8,500. That's the top 0.002% of the population. So not the top 1%, the top 0.002% of the population. So top 20 out of 8,500 people. You have to make decisions every day that gets you further than those other 8,480 people to go to regionals. Like that's the kind of thought process you have to have. Now, if you're not in a place where that's, that's what you want to do, then that's fine. But if you, and if you want to compete, awesome. That goes back to what I said earlier, which is like, hey, start with just local competitions once a quarter, once every two months. Maybe you start scaled and then you try to work with RX, like whatever, just start doing it and start getting momentum and see if you enjoy it. And if you do, I would say that if you really enjoy it and you like it and you have the freedom of time and the dedication to follow through with it, it'll make itself happen to varying degrees. What I mean is you'll end up getting better and fitter and getting to compete to higher levels 
by the natural progression of pursuing it. But if it's like, it's an interest, but not an obsession, like, I'm not sure how far you're going to get, which is fine. It doesn't mean you have to go far, but just understand that. Um, so that's sacrifices, programming, a daily routine, you know, with rest days and recovery built in, structure of my daily workouts, my nutrition. Um, and then the last thing from Ashton, which was how to approach injuries and in, with CrossFit if you're doing it for a lifestyle versus competition. When I was training for regionals and I got injured, which just happens if you're training at a high level, you're going to get hurt um, to varying degrees, not like, not like major injuries, but minor stuff. Um, it was a matter of getting as creative as possible to as closely as you can replicate the intended stimulus of that training session without bothering your injured body part. So for example, if there's ring muscle ups and I've got a shoulder issue, well, I'm probably taking ibuprofen for a couple of days leading up to that training session and getting through it. And then spending time days before and days after rehabbing and doing protocols to fix the injury. If it's like, Hey, this has been nagging me for three to six months. What I'm doing is not working. I'm going to go see a PT and get some soft tissue work done, whether it's dry needling, um, massage work, cupping. I did all that stuff, chiropractics as much as I could. And you just start to figure out what you need to do to fix your shit. And then you do it every day and then, it's, and then it eventually goes away. But if you're just doing CrossFit for lifestyle and health and fitness and you want to work out and like have fun working out and be healthy, then if you get injured, well, you just take a break from that body part, modify it with your coach and um, just let it rest and, you know, work on it, you know, soft tissue work, foam roll, maybe get a massage and take care of it and take care of yourself as far as like hydration levels and food, but you're not going to go train through the injury because what are you training through the injury for? You don't have a timeline or a timestamp in mind to get to a certain point. Whereas if you're competing, it's like every training session matters because this is leading you up to competition. Whereas if you're training for life, it's not a competition. It's just how can I be better than yesterday? And how can I make myself a badass 90 year old? That's the goal. And if that's the goal. It's pretty simple. Show up every day or four to five days a week. Don't eat like an asshole and have fun with what you're doing and just keep doing that. And it is that simple. Um, so that was my experience for the most part, going to regionals as an individual. And um, would I do it again? Yes. It's just a lot of work. That's okay. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and we hope you learned something. If you have comments or questions on this topic, or if you have a topic that you'd like to discuss or hear us cover, please email us at cfmountainisland at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at CrossFit Mountain Island. Our intention with this podcast is to share knowledge and life experience to help empower, educate, and improve our listeners and our communities. Please take a minute to share this podcast with a friend and leave a review on Apple Podcasts for our show so that other people just like you can find our show. If you're on Facebook, join our Facebook group titled Fitness, Nutrition, and Mindset in Charlotte, North Carolina to continue to learn about personal development strategies and how to make your life better. Have a great day. Until next time.